0: That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
4: I think these Pink Panther guys, they chose Wafi Mall because it was in a more dense part of the city. So it was kind of easier for them to achieve their smash and grab effect.
0: Journalist Bradley Hope spent a number of years reporting in the United Arab Emirates.
4: I think there's something about the the combination of the the neighborhood, the way that the streets were set up, probably the relatively low security compared to some of the more fancy high-end malls that had been sprouted up, it made a a perfect combination for this kind of smash-and-grab robbery technique.
0: Clearly, the team behind the Wafi Mall heist had chosen their target well. The Pink Panthers were in and out in under a minute. A quick drive on a nearby freeway put them in a remote part of the city. They set fire to their stolen Audis and fled the country using forged passports. It was the perfect combination of conditions, but it wasn't unique to this one city. The Panthers had successfully done jobs all across Europe. So why travel all the way to Dubai?
4: There was probably a sense that the Dubai police were not too vigilant compared to perhaps other places in the world where you might be trying to pull off a brazen heist like this. So they would have felt like they were doing something pretty aggressive, but at the same time, the chances of getting caught probably didn't feel as high as if they had done it in London or Paris. So this might have appeared to them as actually a relatively lower risk break-in than it would be in other places. True,
0: they did manage to escape the country without a hitch, but their assumptions about the Dubai police weren't entirely correct. And the Big Panthers never anticipated that Interpol, the international crime-fighting organization, would take a sudden interest in their exploits. I'm Natalia Antalava. I'm a journalist based in Eastern Europe. And I'm going to take you into the
5: world of Serbia's most
0: brazen jewel
5: thieves the most daring and successful diamond thieves in the world. 30 to 40 seconds, they're in, they're out. They've stolen half a billion dollars worth of valuables. Two well-dressed men strolled into an exclusive jewelry store in London and walked out with 66 million dollars in jewels.
0: They're called the Pink Panthers. They're a loosely connected crew of overeducated, underemployed, ambitious young people who rose from the ashes of the Yugoslav Wars of the 1990s to commit elaborate smash-and-grab heists all across the globe, often in broad daylight. This is Infamous International, the Pink Panther story. Episode four, The Pursuit.
2: Interpol was founded based on a jewelry heist in 1914.
0: Wayne Salzgeber was the director of Interpol's Washington, D.C. office from 2016 to 2020. He knows a lot about the organization's 100-year history.
2: So in 1914, the crown jewels of Austria were stolen, and the thieves jumped on the fastest mode of convenience back then, which was a locomotive in Europe, and fled across the border.
0: Prince Albert I of Monaco decided to personally tackle this growing problem of international crime.
2: Prince Albert of Monaco brought 12 or 14 countries together to talk about police cooperation. It was the first international criminal police congress.
0: They made a list of best practices, like ensuring police departments in separate countries can talk directly, widespread use of fingerprint technology, and simpler ways to extradite criminals when they flee across international borders. Prince Albert's brainchild officially became the International Criminal Police Organization, better known as Interpol.
2: The whole charter is still the same today, bringing police cooperation together, exchanging information, being able to provide information for those cross-border crimes. Now I think we're at 195 member countries. The organization is headquartered out of Lyon, France. And again, it's just an organization, it's not an agency.
0: An organization, not an agency. It seems like a minor point. But it's actually an important distinction.
2: The biggest confusion that there is out there in the world is that Interpol is its own police agency. And that's not the case. It's, Interpol is just a facilitator. So when you see Interpol arrest somebody, it's really not Interpol the organization arresting them. It's the country's police force that's actually arresting them.
0: So in order for Interpol to be effective, its member countries need to cooperate, which isn't always
2: easy. It's one of those unique organizations in the world that has almost every country. There's only one country that's not part of Interpol, which is North Korea. uh, But all the other countries have membership in the organization, which is both a strength as well as brings on some challenges.
0: One of those challenges is getting everyone to agree on which crimes to prioritize. The Pink Panthers knew that robbery was not on Interpol's list, and they were able to take advantage of that. Serbian journalist Jelena Zoric.
1: Interpol is not uh, going to chase you that much if you are not a murderer. You have to be a murderer to, to be their uh, top one priority. And that's why every time Pink Panthers were working, they were very careful not to harm anyone in their heists. But that was before the Wafimol heist.
5: The Dubai police... The men and women of the force are some of the best trained officers in the world in a state of constant readiness. The force is primed to respond to any emergency, able to meet any challenge and ready to answer any call throughout the Emirates.
0: That's a promotional video put out by the Dubai police. They took a good game. And yet the Pink Panthers have outwitted them, outrun them and embarrassed them on the international stage. They need to respond forcefully. Here's Elena Zorich again, speaking through a translator.
1: So in Dubai, just immediately after the heists, all the airports were immediately shut and the city was completely blocked. The Dubai police make every
0: effort, but gang leader Mladen Lazarevic, his girlfriend Bojana Mitic, and their partner Milan Lepoya they all managed to slip through the police dragnet.
1: It was crazy because everybody knows how the police in Dubai is, and the police did react very fast. But just a few hours later, they were already on the plane flying to Europe. Then they managed to escape and they left the complete chaos in Dubai because nobody couldn't believe that something like that could happen. Dubai's
0: chief of police knows a public relations disaster when he sees one. The Wafimol heist is too big, too public, too embarrassing. The fact that no one was heard doesn't minimize the damage. And so, the Dubai chief of police reaches out to the head of Interpol for help. Here's Wayne Salzgaper again.
2: Ron Noble, who was the secretary general at the time, the job of that secretary general is to identify those trends that are important, as well as making sure that all the police agencies come together.
0: At 41, Ron Noble is the youngest person to ever lead Interpol, and the first American. He's ambitious. And he seems like someone who will rise to the moment.
2: There was a lot of maturity that Interpol went through under Ron Noble's leadership between 2001 and that 2007. Part of that was getting a lot more technology integrated into the system to be able to exchange information faster, cleaner. You know, now biometrics, DNA, all those things were part of it.
0: All of the technology really comes into play once you have some evidence to work with. And within hours of the highs, Dubai police discover a treasure trove. The thieves thought they completely burned the Audis, but they'd accidentally left the windows up. Without enough oxygen, the fire had died out. The forensics team scours the site, collecting valuable DNA and sending it on to Interpol. And soon after, the police catch another break. I asked my colleague, Ilan Greenberg, to describe how it happened.
3: It starts with a tip from a guy at a car rental place. And this is how long after the heist? It's a couple days. He tells the cops about a suspicious phone call he got from an overseas number. It's a mystery caller. Uh, And this person tells him not to tell the police about the car they'd just rented, which was overdue at this point. Something about, they still need the vehicle, and that they'd settle up later. Wait, wait, which car are we talking about here? This was the one Boyana rented, remember with her own credit card. It was a blue Nissan. And this is their getaway car, the one after the Audis. Well, probably. So the cops, they check it out. They're able to find it pretty quickly, actually really quickly. Surveillance cameras are everywhere. Until totally I remember that the Pink Panthers had rented an apartment in Dubai uh, while they were planning the heist. So right? out in the parking lot in front of this apartment, that's where the Dubai police find the rental car.
0: Right, and what happens after that?
3: So the cops decide to put the car under surveillance. They wanna see if anybody's gonna show up. And sure enough, they spot a middle-aged guy coming to the car. Uh, it Turns out he's Serbian, and since the car is linked to a crime, they immediately arrest him. And the cops, supposedly they find a stash of jewelry, it's in a hidden compartment inside the car.
0: And do we know that this jewelry that they find is actually from the Wafi Mall heist?
3: Well, according to the police version, yes. Officially, they say they recovered all of the jewelry from the mall and that it was in that Nissan. But from everything else we know, that's pretty hard to believe.
0: I'm so not surprised. It really feels like everyone is selling a story here. But let's come back to this in a bit. First, tell me, so what happens when they arrest this guy?
3: It's the start of a manhunt. The cops learn about the apartment, they scour it. Uh, they link DNA from the car and the apartment to a bunch of suspects. They arrest the Serbian expat who's living in Dubai. Uh, the doorman helps finger some of the other suspects, including Milan Lepoja. Of course, by now, they've also linked Bojana to the car, since she was the one who rented it. But the cops aren't able to locate her or Milan Lesovic or Milan Lapoya Because they've escaped the country. Right. But now they have hard evidence linking them to the crime. So that's when they issue Interpol red notices calling for their arrest and extradition.
0: The stolen loot, credit card receipts, eyewitnesses, the evidence is piling up. And then Interpol tells Dubai that they have a match for the DNA samples. Milan Lepuya and his close friend and fellow Panther, Dushko Poznań. It's a major breakthrough. Interpol's Wayne Salzgeber.
2: I know that the Pink Panther one was probably one of the first where they worked what DNA exchanges between countries through the Interpol system.
0: For Interpol Secretary General Ron Noble, it's a game changer. In an interview with Dateline on NBC, Noble talked about how the recovery of this DNA became his aha moment.
5: We put it in our database, and the first hit we had, we matched it to a Pink Panther robbery in Liechtenstein. Suddenly we said, wow, the Pink Panthers, they're actually engaging in robberies around the world. Everything snaps
0: into focus. In our first episode, we said that Dubai was a turning point. Here is why. Local law enforcement had been investigating each heist as a standalone crime. But now with the Interpol DNA database, local authorities could share their evidence and the same names pop up again and again. Suddenly, a string of unrelated robberies look like the work of an organized criminal network. No longer simply a local problem. The Pink Panthers are now a global threat. Here's my colleague Ilan Greenberg again.
3: So the head of Monaco's police department, that's André Mulberger, he pushes Ron Noble at Interpol to create a working group focused solely on the Pink Panthers. Baylan, why is Maubergé so interested? So Monaco was a favorite hotspot of the Panthers. You know, in general, they love the south of France. Uh, they pulled a couple of big heists and luxury hotels around there. They had robbed a jewelry store right across the street from the police kiosk in Monaco. That must have felt like a big poke in the eye. Uh, and they'd done at least two more heists right outside of Monaco. This is, altogether, a big problem for Alberger, and he's motivated to deal with them.
0: I can see why. So does he deal with them?
3: Yeah. In mid-2007, Ron Noble launches Interpol's Operation Pink Panther. Um, they're going to go on to host an annual meeting, and police from all over the world participate. The idea here is to exchange information on how to tackle the Pink Panther problem, right? And at Interpol, the Operation Pink Panther team, they'll focus in the group year round.
0: The Pink Panthers are now officially one of Interpol's top priorities. But back in Serbia, that just adds to their allure. Journalist David Samuels wrote an in-depth piece on the Pink Panthers for The New Yorker in 2010. Samuels saw how Serbian pop culture has always tended to glorify this kind of figure.
5: It's a culture that celebrated... These banded figures. The idea that your end will not be pleasant is <laughs> deeply ingrained, as is the lack of respect for law.
0: On the New Yorker's Out Loud podcast, Samuels talked about how one obscure pulp crime novel called *Gorilla*, published in the mid nineteen seventies, had a profound influence on a whole generation of Serbian gangsters.
5: I'd say that all of the Serbian gangsters I met. Had read this book, uh, or at least claimed to have read it. It's a cultural touchstone for them, the same way that Scarface is for American gangsters. It's the story of a Serbian man who comes to Paris and catches on as a bodyguard to this famous French actor. And this little purchase that he has on the good life curdles for him into this sort of unquenchable rage that he is excluded from being fully human in Western Europe and enjoying the luxuries that everyone else enjoys. The spirit of this book really does match the feelings of many of these gangsters.
0: In fact, if you go further back in Balkan history, there's long been a cultural archetype of the outlaw hero.
1: Journalist Jelena Zorich again. We had these... Uh outlaws that we call haiduk not sure exactly if there is a word in english for that but there, this would be people who were admired because they were uh, they were bold they were brave but they were uh, actually someone who was robbing people on on the road you know they were robbing other people but in one way They were like, everybody was admiring them, even now.
6: I think that this history created this figure of a glamorous celebrity criminal who has an attitude and who is daring. So this history is extremely important because Pink Panthers are a cultural phenomenon.
0: Film scholar Dmitry Voinov agrees with David Samuels that this idea of celebrity criminals resonates with his fellow Serbs in part because it plays on their complicated feelings about the riches of Western Europe.
6: Whenever you watch a film, you tell yourself, these guys are using a rope in order to enter a chimney, in order to enter a ventilation shaft, in order to steal a watch. Why don't they go there, smash the damn glass and take it? And sometimes these guys actually did that, you know, and it resonates powerfully. Because all of those luxurious commodities that are unavailable to the most people in the world actually became uh, an object to be stolen. The jewels are to be stolen. You know, I mean, most of the films are those that are being stolen.
0: But international law enforcement doesn't see that way at all. They strongly object to this image of the Panthers as a kind of real-life Ocean's Eleven, committing victimless crimes and with panache.
7: When they were committing the robbery, they were not violent, but when you have a weapon in your face, it's very hard for these people.
0: Captain Hervé Conan of the Paris police.
7: Psychologically, it was very violent for people. Even if their guys are quiet and calm and they don't shout like some other robberies, Uh, The stress of the employees is very intense. And some of the employees, they stop working in jewelries after that. It is too stressful.
0: And we've heard the sentiment again and again. Retired watch dealer Paul Thorpe.
7: It drives me mad. There is no innocence in theft. And and let let me assure anyone listening to this now that might think that there is some kind of romance behind these big gangs and the robberies that they pull off. And everyone seems to have this notion that these are victimless crimes when they're not.
2: Interpol's Wayne
0: Salzgeber.
2: I don't think anybody who was actually victimized in those shops would tell you there was nothing.
0: Liechtenstein's prosecutor general, Robert Wallner.
7: We don't see anything glamorous about them. If you enter a shop with loaded weapons and point them at employees there, it certainly has an effect on them for their lifetime.
0: In an interview with CBS 60 Minutes, Interpol's Ron Noble justified creating a special working group that targeted the Pink Panthers, despite the public image of the gang, as mostly harmless.
5: The problem with this group is that the name Pink Panthers, it engenders inside us the first memory is the movie. We smile at the name of Pink Panthers. That's why we try to highlight whenever we can the way in which they perpetrate these robberies. These are not nice guys, and they're not nice guys who are stealing from the rich to give to the poor. These are just cold-blooded and ruthless and notorious thieves.
0: If Mladen, Bojana, and Milan aren't worried about their futures at this point, they probably should be. Bojana Metic, her boyfriend, Laden Lazarevic, and their partner, Milan Lepoya, all make their way back to Serbia, to their hometown of Nis. No matter what's happening with the investigation in Dubai, they believe they can relax. Not because they've covered their tracks, but because they
1: think it just doesn't matter. Jelena Zoric again. Both of them, they were feeling that they would be uh, much safer in Serbia, because once they come to Serbia, definitely they would be protected from Dubai police. There would be nothing else for the Dubai police to do if they're not anymore in their country. There is no extradition treaty between the United Arab Emirates and
0: Serbia. And Serbian police are notoriously uncooperative. It's a source of frustration for law enforcement in other countries. Captain Erve Conan investigated some of the Panthers' biggest heists. In 2005, he was chasing a pink panther named Dragan Mikic, who had just pulled a jewel heist in the French Alps. Mikic was caught during the getaway when he tried to buy a train ticket using a €500 note. But despite being thrown into a French prison, Dragan Mikic managed to escape and make his way back to his home in Belgrade, Serbia's capital.
7: We all knew that he was in Belgrade, but uh, it was difficult to have an international warrant against him in Belgrade.
0: It's not just difficult to serve an international warrant in Belgrade. It's nearly
7: impossible. There were a lot of corruption in these countries. You know, in Serbia, these guys were connected with very powerful people. So they know that as soon as they were in their country, they were not in danger. So difficult to recuperate them when they are in their country, very difficult.
0: Far from acting like wanted criminals, Mladen, Bojana and Milan are able to live openly in Serbia. By all appearances, they are completely untroubled by the threat of arrest or extradition. If Milan Lepoja knows he's a top priority for Interpol, he certainly doesn't act like it.
1: So uh, at that time, he, while he was uh, on Interpol's red list, on Interpol's most wanted list, he was actually roaming freely the streets of, of Niš. He was a completely free citizen. Yelena Zorich. So not only he was a free citizen, but he also he could uh, freely get his own place in the city to run his own place.
0: Milan opens a nightclub in the historic part of town.
1: The business with the disco club, it was his way to invest in a future, to invest in one day when he would stop doing what he was doing. But then in the meantime, he would always go back to what he was originally doing. He was always looking for an excuse just to do another small robbery, just to have some extra money in his pocket before finally settling down.
0: But Milan's two occupations, as a nightclub owner and as Pink Panther, are a tricky juggling act. About a year after he returned from Dubai, Milan plans a big event at his new club.
1: He organized the whole party. He announced that it would be a great party, but at the end, himself, he didn't show up at the party because he had to do another robbery in Europe, so he couldn't be there.
0: It doesn't help that Milan has an excellent reputation as a thief. The jobs come to him.
1: He was invited to to take part in uh, in a heist of a very famous jewellery. And he knew he was wanted by the Interpol at the time, but he just uh, couldn't resist it. He wanted to take part in it. And so,
0: a little more than a year after the heist at the Wafi Mall, the job that had made him and his partners so famous, he's asked to lead a team planning another heist this time in France. Milan travels to a town called Jex, just over the Swiss border. Like in Dubai, his first order of business is to get the lay of the land.
1: He was doing what they call the the site inspection. So he was taking a look at the streets, what they were always doing before every heist to to check out the streets and that neighborhood.
0: Jex is a quiet place, home to about 10,000 people. Yet it turns out to be surprisingly busy when Milan arrives. And among the visitors, a Swiss detective named Jan Glassi.
1: So there was one inspector working for the Interpol who was actually obsessed with uh, Milan Lepoje. He knew him very well, he knew about his work, he knew how he looked like. Jan Glassi had interrogated Milan in Switzerland
0: two years prior just after the heist of the Huber watch and jewelry shop in Liechtenstein. And he's never forgotten him. is now in Jacques on a completely different case.
1: He was in the same neighborhood because he was told that there was a heist that was about to happen in that part of the city.
0: In a twist of fate, Milan Lepoe has chosen to stay in the exact same hotel as Detective Glassy. It's about 10 a.m., on the morning of May 29, 2008. Striding through the lobby of their hotel, Detective Glassy sees Milan Lepoya. It takes a moment for him to place Milan, but then it hits him and Milan can see it happen. He blurts out, oh shit, and sprints out into the street.
1: So Milan Lepoya said that he couldn't believe that he would always remember the, the face of the inspector when he caught him. Because the inspector, he had his, his eyes wide open, so he said that's the face that he would never forget. From NBC Dateline,
0: Detective young Lassi recalls every detail of the chase.
1: He run, and he dropped, and I catch him at this moment. And we fight there three, four, four minutes, approximately. It was like in the movies, a scene with children in the school, a big, tall guy running like that. We jump over the fence.
0: Milan manages to hide in some bushes near that elementary school and stays there, motionless, for hours. But Glacier calls in the police dogs, and it's game over. Milan emerges from his hiding spot and surrenders peacefully to Glacier. Good job, he says to the detective. A class act, it seems, even as he's led away. So, 18 months after the heist at the Wafi Mall, authorities finally have one of the key gang members in custody. Based on DNA turned up in Interpol's database, they have the identity of another, Dushko Poznań. Credit card records link Bojana Mitic to the crime as well. So that invincibility the Pink Panthers might have once felt, some cracks are starting to show. But catching a Pink Panther and keeping one are different things entirely. Milan Lepoja had escaped prison before. In fact, for the Panthers, it was something of a specialty. Coming up next on Infamous International, the Pink Panther's story.
7: He was extradited to us and we thought, Uh, We could bring him to trial, but he didn't have the intention
2: to stay with us.
0: For the Pink Panthers, prison is just another part of the job.
2: I will tell you that what you described to me is just people practicing a trade, having a career criminal orientation, and the escape is part of the trade.
0: And a heist and a prison break actually have a lot in common. Of course this was part of the plan, and everything happened within seconds. And Olivera just walked out of prison and got on a motorbike that was waiting outside. That's next time on Infamous International, The Pink Panther's Story. Infamous International, The Pink Panther's Story was produced by Best Case Studios, in association with Coda Story. Hosted by me, Natalia Antlava, and written by Katrina Wolf, Adam Pinkus, Suzanne Myers, and David Markowitz, with help from Brent Katz and Matt Levin. For Best Case Studios, Executive Producer Adam Pinkus, Senior Producer David Markowitz, Producer Katrina Wolf, Associate Producer Hannah Liebowitz Lockhart. And consulting producers, Julie Goldstein and Louis Spiegler. For Coda Story, reporting by Alain Greenberg with associate producer, Rebecca Robinson. Edited and sound designed by Galen Mullins and Max Michael Miller. Music by Dave Harrington. Archival producers, Magda Gora and Paul Dallas. This has been an exactly right production. Executive producers, Karen Kilgareth, Georgia Hartstark, and Danielle Kramer with
2: consulting producer Kyle Ryan.